Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Happy Thursday. It's Fresh Thinking time. You with Rabbi Shishla all the way until 3 o'clock, coming to you live on Chai FM, as well as streaming here on Facebook. It's great to have the opportunity to connect this week. Last week, there was just no power, no electricity, so we didn't have that opportunity. I hope that there was something useful and meaningful for you to listen to instead. And here we are today with just over a week to go until Rosh Hashanah. Yes, I'll say that again. Just over a week to go until Rosh Hashanah. That time of the year that is supposed to be for us so inspiring and so uplifting and so empowering. And I don't know about you, but... And I'm just a little skeptical of how it is all going to feel this year with all of the restrictions. Uh, we're fortunate enough that we have shuls that are open. There are other places in the world where the shuls are not going to be open for Rosh Hashanah. So I suppose we should be grateful, although we have all these limits. And I suppose people are not necessarily going to get to shul. So there's lots to think about as we go into a Rosh Hashanah as we don't know it. Something altogether different to what we're used to. And that's what I'd like to speak to you about today, or speak with you. I'd love to hear your insights. How do we make this Yom Tov meaningful? Usually, we go along to shul and we ride the wave. There are professionals. There's a chazan of sorts, depending on what kind of a shul you go to. It might be an operatic chazan. Alternatively, it might just be somebody who has a nice voice, pleasant voice. And there may be a choir And that helps to lift you. Those people who lead the service and sing those stirring melodies, they help to lift you. And then there's the rabbi. That's, you know, he's got to spend a lot of time in advance preparing for the um, for the holiday season to make sure to have something moving and something uplifting to share. One of those sermons that really gives you, you know, chills and, and, and moves you in one way or another. And then, of course, there's the crowd. Let's not underestimate the crowd. I mean, just being together with peers, with contemporaries, sitting around in shul together, the fact that you hear people respond amen, that we sing together, all of these are the ingredients that usually make for a good, meaningful, and uplifting Rosh Hashanah experience. This year will be altogether different. This year, if you are in shul, you'll be wearing a mask, sitting socially distant, We are not allowed to sing except for the one individual who leads the service. So all of that ambiance and atmosphere is totally reduced. Having to walk in, sanitize, sit in your spot, not move. Somehow robs, I think it robs the, the, the shul service of that dynamic, energetic experience that we're used to. The rabbi may or may not speak depending on where you go. And even if he does speak, if he's smart, He'll keep it short. Not necessarily is that a bad thing, by the way. And you won't have the same chavashaft. You won't be sitting just a couple of centimeters away from your good friend and catch a little bit of a schmooze in between the services. And then you may not be able to go to shul at all. You may have health concerns or you may be at an age where it's not necessarily the best thing to expose yourself. Or perhaps your doctor recommends that you don't go to shul. So you'd have the entire Yom Tov experience at home. Whichever way you look at it, it's going to be totally different. And so let's brainstorm over here today and think of ways in which we could make a meaningful Yom Tov for ourselves in spite of the challenges, 
that's what I'd like to discuss today, and I'd love your input. So you can share by sending a text message on SMS to 34519. You can use the Telegram network on 0618951019. You can tweet at Chai FM, or you could tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish, and you can comment on Facebook, either on the Chai FM Facebook page or on my Facebook, either one of them. Love to hear your thoughts and insights, and I'm sure everybody else would as well. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Isn't that so apt? Isn't that so apt? Did you just listen to that last commercial, that ad? Start my car. Start my car. Why? Because uh, people have been sitting at home for six months, and some people literally have not driven their cars. Uh, unless, of course, you're conscious of it and you make sure to rev the engine and to take it for a little bit of a spin so that you don't land up with a dead battery. But it's metaphoric for where we are spiritually too. We haven't been in the communal setting in a normal way. Some of us have not stepped foot inside a shul for six months. And now we've got to start that car. It's not so simple. It's more than just a winter's morning. <laughs> it's more than we might need some kind of emergency, I don't know, uh, like spiritual dialysis or uh, <laughs> something, something that's going to get us started. And certainly, if we're not going to have the same external influences that help to lift our Yom Tov, so what kind of resources can we find and can we use to help us to lift things up? So uh, it, here's Maureen who says, we should be thankful for the gift that we are here to celebrate it. Now, that's a good place to start because you look around and many of the things that we would have taken for granted exactly a year ago this time, we don't take for granted today. Like the fact that we're here to celebrate. We don't take, well, we shouldn't take it for granted. It's really, it's not a joke. Look how many people, okay, thank God here in South Africa, our mortality rate of the virus has been better than in other places in the world. But we've all been shocked. We've all had people who succumbed. So Maureen has a really good point. You want to make it meaningful? Just be grateful that we're here. Be grateful for the fact that we have the opportunity to celebrate another Rosh Hashanah. And sure, it has various limitations, but that's okay because we can work within those limitations and we can make something meaningful out of those limitations. I've been thinking a lot over the last few months what it must have been like to be a young person living through a world war. And I'm not talking specifically in the context of the Holocaust necessarily, just in the context of being in a city that is at war. So there is a curfew. And perhaps you have a young person who wanted to get on with their life and they wanted to pursue an education or they wanted to settle down and marry or they wanted to launch a business and had all of these wonderful ideas. And then the war came along and completely stymied all of their intentions. So it's, it's not as dramatic in one sense what we're going through now. Yet in another sense, it is because it, there is a similarity in the sense of life stopped. We had plans. We had ambitions. We thought that this was going to be the year of. I mean, I chuckle about it when you think how many people at the beginning of the year said, oh, 2020, this is going to be my best year yet. And we saw it as, you know, a round number and 2020 vision and all the other things associated with it and kind of expected it was going to be so spectacular. And it has been spectacularly difficult. <laughs> That's what it has been. So to have reached this point, and to now be at another Rosh Hashanah and we're here and we have family and 
<clears throat> perhaps we do have these limitations and, and life is not operating exactly as we would want it to. But the fact of the matter is life is operating. You know, if there's life, there's hope as the cliche goes. And it's not such a cliche because you wake up in the morning and you're still here. That means that there's opportunity. That means that we can get up and we can do something. As uh, somebody always would say to me, every day above ground is a good day. And yes, gratitude. What a wonderful way to bring meaning into the Rosh Hashanah experience. And perhaps that's even something we can do with our families if we don't get to shul. And I think we've got to be careful how we use that phrase, by the way, if we don't get to shul. I don't think that shul is something you just get to. It's a decision that we make. And it's a decision that we should make with sound advice and insight. It shouldn't be a fear-based decision. I'm afraid to go anywhere. I'm not going to go to shul. We have to be honest with ourselves. Am I willing to go to the shops? Am I willing to sit with a friend socially? Well, then the truth is shul in the way that it's formatted over the, the current period is quite safe. If I have a real health concern, that's a different issue. Then I don't not get to shul. Then I follow the instructions of my doctor, which is aligned with the instructions of Torah, and I don't go to shul. It's a conscious decision. Uh, there's an expression that we use, a Talmudic expression, Shev valtase odif, that when you're not sure if you should move or not move, sometimes it's best to take an attitude which just says, I'm not going to move. That way I'll play it safe. It's not necessarily always the best idea to play it safe. Sometimes playing it safe just simply means you don't get out of the starting block. You don't actually do something. But let's just say for argument's sake that a person cannot get to shul. It's inappropriate for you, for you to be at shul over the course of this yonta because you have a health concern. So, and even if you do get to shul, as we very well know, it's going to be a different experience of shul. And that shouldn't scare us from going, just because it's going to be somewhat uncomfortable. I think that's a, a sign of our dedication. I'm willing to go to shul even though it's not comfortable. But one thing that we could do at shul or not at shul, when you sit at the table on the first night of Rosh Hashanah, and you sit there with your family, which hopefully will be your nuclear family, because it's not really responsible to have a whole big massive social gathering as we're used to. So you sit there with your family. That's a great exercise. What Marina suggests is a great exercise. Let's begin by being grateful for what we do have. We've spent a lot of time over the course of this year focused on what we don't have or what was taken from us, our freedoms, ability to travel, to move, um, business opportunities, whatever it is. I'm sure we can compile quite a long list. Here's a great concept. Let's focus and be grateful on the things that we do have. That would be incredibly meaningful for a variety of reasons. Firstly, because we'd come to appreciate what we have in life, and that's useful, just to appreciate what you have in life. But besides that, it's, it's a spiritual process to go through, that shift from I need, I want, to I acknowledge. It's something that we are supposed to do as Jewish people. You wake up first thing in the morning, modani. I acknowledge, and I give gratitude, and I'm thankful to Hashem for the fact that I'm alive. In fact, we're told that Modani, which is supposed to be said first thing in the morning, is actually supposed to set the tone for how your whole day should be. It's not just a one-stop step, I can pay my dues, thank you God, let me get on with my day. Not at all. It's supposed to color my attitude to the whole day. That the day should be predicated on gratitude and appreciation. So I have things in my life. I have life itself. I have a place to live. Um, I'm able to put food on the table. If I have a Rosh Hashanah meal... That's already something that we shouldn't take for granted and we should definitely appreciate and we should be really grateful for. The fact that I have a Rosh Hashanah meal, the fact that I could sit at the table with people around me, that means I have people in my life. So I think that's a great one, how to make the Rosh Hashanah experience more meaningful. Uh, let's see what other suggestions you might have. I'm pretty sure there'll be some good ones because uh, I know the crowd. 
Uh, here's somebody who's saying, yes, I need ideas, please. <laughs> so at least I'm not the only one who feels that we need some kind of insight and some kind of wisdom at a time such as this. Um, and, and in a moment, I'd like to come back just to a, a broader picture about this concept of of creating meaning for Yom Tov rather than waiting for Yom Tov to, so to speak, have meaning, if that makes sense, to create, to be proactive. I definitely think that that is something that we should be speaking about. And it's probably not a bad thing to do any time, not only at the moment. Uh, here's an interesting, interesting one. Uh, two people have actually said it pretty much. One person says, you, you saved me the trouble. But here's Anushka who says, you should find a family who struggles financially and give them a basket of food. And then uses, she uses the expression, you should shine a light for Hashem. Isn't that interesting? To, to look out for other people. You know, sometimes when people are interested in becoming spiritual, as we do at this time, yeah, I want to be inspired. There's a lot of I, there's a lot of ego in that conversation. I need inspiration. I need to be uplifted. I need to find meaning. And ironically, as long as a person is focused on I, it's quite difficult to be inspired and to find meaning because there's too much attachment to the self. And as long as we're holding too tightly onto the self, usually that means that we're not open to what's really going to shift us and lift us and inspire us. So to reach out to somebody else, I think that's a really useful, practical, and quite empowering kind of an experience to have. What are your suggestions? How do we go about making a totally different, somewhat limited or very limited yontav even more meaningful? Love to hear your thoughts. You can send us an SMS on 34519 or Telegram 0618951019. Comment on Facebook, either on my Facebook or on the Chai FM Facebook or tweet at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. What does it take to make an unusual, somewhat restricted yomtiv meaningful? I don't know how you're feeling, but I certainly am feeling just a little, shall we say, concerned about the upcoming yomtiv. You know, for me, usually as a rabbi, this is a time of the year that everything is on full turbo power. This is the time of the year... I mean, this is, this is our key time. This is when Shul is busy. This is when we have one event leading into the other. This is the time when we're at peak performance, where we're filled to capacity. It's usually so dynamic. Rosh Hashanah for sure. Yom Kippur for me, Yom Kippur is the pinnacle. That's like the most incredible day of the year. I look forward to the entire year long, seeing people and watching the engagement and, and the inspiration. And, and, and you get inspired actually by watching people. Everybody thinks you come and the rabbi is supposed to inspire you. Well, I've got news for you. The rabbi gets inspired by you. That's usually what happens. And it just, it's feeling so reduced this year, so lean. And that's why I think it's really important for all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, to ask the question, how do I make this meaningful? How do I make this have, not, and let's be careful how we say it, not what it normally has. We, we're, Addicted, I think, over the last few months to this expression of when things go back to normal, let's make things normal again. I don't think that's the correct approach. I think what we should be looking to do is to find a way to make this extraordinary. Extraordinary. I think back to Pesach when this was all quite new. And we suddenly had to drill down from our massive Pesach Seder to just having the nuclear family around the table. My children had never had a Pesach Seder with just their parents before. Never. They're always guests from all over the world and from down the block. And it's just interesting. And there's a lot of focus and a lot of balls in the air. And this was an incredible experience. It was extraordinary. 
So you've got to work, I think, with what we have and maximize the opportunity. Earlier today, I shared with a group of people the concept that it says in Tehillim, Mehashem mitzadegever koinonu vedarkoi yechpots, which means that Hashem directs our steps, every single one of us. You think that you are where you are just because you've chosen to be there. No, Hashem guides us. He directs us. He causes things to come our way, which of course will nudge us in a particular direction or obstruct us from going in a different direction. And that's pretty much how we land up where we are. So wherever you are in the world right now, that means location-wise, geographically, wherever you are in the world, that's because Hashem wants you in that place in the world right now. It could be that tomorrow He wants you somewhere else. But right now, you're here. That means He wants you here. The circumstances in which you find yourself, so this is no longer geographic, this is circumstantial, the circumstances in which you find yourself are the circumstances that Hashem wants you to experience right now. So those are two key elements to consider. Before we go anywhere, anytime, this is not only a COVID conversation or a Rosh Hashanah in lockdown conversation, this is like a general conversation that we should be thinking about consistently. Where I am right now in my life, the stage I'm at, the experiences I'm having, the circumstances that I'm dealing with, the physical location I'm in, the people who are around me, that's the stage that Hashem has set for me. And then the verse continues, which means Hashem directs us in a particular place, and then He has a certain vested interest in what's going to happen next once we're in that place. So unfortunately for us, what happens a lot of the time is we create a map for ourselves, and we kind of say, by this time, I need to be in that place. Again, whether it's geographical. So, for example, there were people who had intended to pack up and leave the country. And the next thing, the COVID virus came along. They were stuck in their spot and they couldn't go. But I'm, I'm meant to be somewhere else. Well, yes, that's what you intended. And Hashem obviously had a different idea. And that's why you're still here. And likewise, in terms of my circumstances and in terms of my development, a person says, well, by this stage, I wanted to have achieved X. I wanted to have grown my business this much. I wanted to have settled down and, and, and got married. I wanted to have um, finished that degree, whatever the particular thing is that we have. And I'm not there. So we, we battle a lot with the disparity between our expectations and our plans and the math that we had devised for ourselves versus the reality that we live. And when the two don't align, then it's quite normal for us to say something's wrong. Something's wrong with this picture. And if something's wrong with this picture, the very best thing that I could do is try and get back onto my planned route. Because now I'm lost, or as the GPS will say, um, what, <laughs> recalculating, you know, recalculating the route. I thought I was going down that route, and, and actually I've gone down this route. So I become quite preoccupied with trying to get back onto the route. Now sometimes that is appropriate. Sometimes the best thing in the world is to get ourselves back to where we intended to be. And other times, the most valuable thing that could happen to us is to be flexible and open enough to take the circumstances that we've been dished and to use them to the max. So rather than just to see them as this frustrating obstruction to where I was supposed to go, it might very well be an invitation to somewhere I never dreamt of going, but that is incredibly worthwhile to go. So it comes up for Rosh Hashanah this year. We have the following choices. We'd love to have shul as normal. With all the hundreds of people sitting together with this incredible sense of camaraderie, with this element of intimacy, where people are close to each other and they can catch up and they can talk and they can daven. I'm not recommending that you should talk, you should be davening, but that's besides the point. Just the fact that we're all in it together and we should have the choirs and the singing and the, the atmosphere. 
So that's the map that we had in mind. If you would have asked any of us exactly one year ago at the end of Yom Kippur, how would you like next Shoshana to look? It's say very similar to what I've just been through, maybe a little bit of a tweak here or there, something that would add some kind of value to it. And now we're at the same spot again, coming into the high holidays, and it looks nothing like what we expected. And the same applies to our families. We would have wanted to be with a family all together, the, the large dinner table that we're used to on the Rosh Hashanah, with a lot of laughter and a lot of connection. And instead, there's some people who are going to be sitting alone at the Rosh Hashanah table, which of course is tragic. And there are others who are going to be sitting separated from their families. So they might have their own children at the table, but they're one of their parents at the table. So once you look at that, you say, I don't understand why we got here. And you realize I have absolutely no control over this. I have absolutely no choice. Nobody interviewed me. Nobody asked my permission. Here I am. This is the situation in which I find myself this year. Now we have two choices. Either we see it as this incredible obstacle and we pretty much say, you know what, this year's a write-off. Please God, next year we'll be back to normal. And, and you hear a lot of people talking that way. Next year, when things are back to normal, then we will X and Y. And that's, that's not necessarily the optimum approach. Because this year is this year. It will never be repeated. We will never again have a Yom Tov like we're about to have. It's an anomaly. Even in the most radical times in history, there was never really such a thing where the whole world shut down in the way that it has. So what we're going to experience is going to be unique, which means that there is a unique challenge and opportunity that is available to us in this next Yontov period that we haven't had previously in our lives and we most likely, and please God, will never have again in the future. So this is something absolutely unique. We have two choices. We see it as uniquely obstructive and then we fold our arms in frustration and say, I'm so angry about the way things have panned out. And I really thought it was going to be fixed by now. And it's not fixed. And so I'm going to have some kind of an adult version of a tantrum. Alternatively, we could look at it and say, wow, there's obviously something here. There's some kind of an invitation for growth and opportunity and challenge that I've never faced before, which means that it can elicit some part of myself that I've never encountered before. Some depth, some wisdom, some opportunity for growth that I never knew that I had, as adversity does. And, and that's really what we should be looking towards. That's kind of as a general introduction to the principle of um, how do you make this a meaningful yontif. I think it, it starts with a little bit of shift of our perspective. I'd like to hear what you think about it. You can send an SMS, 34519. You can send a message on Telegram on 061-895-10919. You can join the conversation on Twitter, at FM and at Rabbi Shish, or the conversation on Facebook, on either my, uh, my Facebook page, or on the HFM Facebook page. Whichever one works for you best. Every time I read that, I always think that they're going to say, shop until you drop. I don't know, somehow that just kind of flows. It's, uh, what, just over halfway through the show. If you've just joined, it's Rabbi Shishla, fresh thinking as we do Thursday afternoons between 2 and 3 p.m., it's uh, an engagement and a conversation that takes place both on Chai FM as well as various other avenues for you to share your thoughts. You can use SMS on 34519. You can use social media, have a conversation with us on Facebook, on my Facebook page and the Chai FM Facebook page. You can tweet us at Chai FM and at Rabbi Shish. And you can telegram us on 0618951019. Today's conversation is how do you make this most unusual yomtiv that we are coming up for 
meaningful. It's interesting how people say similar things. Here's Leah on Twitter who also says, Be grateful that you're alive in these crazy times. Think about revealed goodness that Hashem has blessed you with this past year. And think of ways that you can improve yourself. There's a nice one. Think of ways that you could improve yourself. You know what? There are two ways that we could interact with God. We've already identified that when something happens in our lives that doesn't go exactly according to plan, we have two choices. Either we view it as this incredible barrier, something's gone wrong, something's in my way, what a chutzpah, why is life so unfair? Or we look at it and say, wow, here's an opportunity, the likes of which I've never seen before, and that means that I have the opportunity to find strength within myself that I've never had before. That's one angle and perspective. Here's another thing to consider, and that is that there are two channels of how we relate to God, or how we grow as people, how we develop our spirituality, how we get in touch with our own souls. Two ways. What are the two ways? Well, the one is we wait. We wait. Hashem, hit me with your best shot. I'm here. I'm open. I'm ready. I'm willing. If you had to come and... I guess it sounds almost like an alien abduction, right? If you had to come and drag me into your world, I'd follow quite happily, willingly. I'm ready. Just as soon as you're ready, God. As soon as you're ready. Just just let me know when you're ready. Inspire me. And that's often what happens to us on Yom Tif, right? We go along to the shul and we say, okay, inspire me. I'm ready. I'm ready. I've made all the preparations. I, I you know, made sure to have a good shower and uh, I bought new clothing for Yom Tif. And, and, and here I am in shul. I booked my seat and I'm sitting there in shul. Go on, get me started, jump start my car. I, you know, I haven't necessarily revved the engine for a while. The soul is maybe just a little bit rusty at this point in time. Hit me, hit me with a good sermon, hit me with a good uh, piece of music, some kind of a moving tune in the prayers. Let's get the connective energy going. And that's usually a big portion of how we experience Yom Tov. It's one way to interface with God. And that is, when I am inspired, I will react to the inspiration. And then there's another approach, which is not called inspiration, excuse the uh, cliche, it's called perspiration. And that's basically where a person says, you know, I understand that if you want to get the car going, you've got to crank it up yourself, actually. Because you could have the best chazan in the world singing the most touching song in the world, and it won't necessarily move you. And sometimes that's what disappoints us, by the way. We go along to shul with an expectation. And then we sit there, and it just doesn't work. I, I don't know if that's ever happened to you previously, but it does happen sometimes. It just doesn't work. It's just, it's not talking to me. It's not, it's not igniting the spark. I don't know. Usually the rabbi hits the mark, and this year I'm finding him a bit dry. Usually the chazan lifts us all, but this year he's just not hitting the right notes happens to us. It's not only in a COVID environment. It happens to us sometimes. The expectation that we have of what's going to activate us doesn't actually activate us. And then what? Again, we have two choices. We can shrug our shoulders and say, what an unfortunate situation. There's an obstruction. What usually gets the juices flowing, somehow it just isn't doing it for me this year. And you'll say, please God, next year things will be better. Please, God, next time things will be more uplifting. Or we could say, hey, hang on a second. And this is a, a very insightful approach that a person could take. Hang on a second. The rabbi's not getting through to me this year. The chazan hasn't hit any of those notes. Now, here's a key question. This Rosh Hashanah, or for that matter, Yom Kippur experience, who's it ready for? 
the fact that I'm sitting in shul, who's supposed to move? Is Do I come to shul so the rabbi should move? Do I come to shul so the chazan should move? Or do I come to shul so I should experience something? <laughs> Those parts of the picture are there to assist me on a journey. But ultimately, it's it's a journey that I've got to go through. And if this happens to be one of those situations where it's not feeding into me from the outside, then that means that possibly, if we have a mature perspective, it's God's way of saying, this year I trust you. This year I believe that you could self-motivate, that you could propel, that you could stimulate yourself this year. Normally, yes, you lean quite heavily on all of the so-called officials to get you through this period. This year, those officials are not available or their participation is somewhat restricted. Now, nobody can tell you what you should do. This is personal. It's no longer the generic, oh, just come along, say amen to the brochures, listen to the sermons, sing the songs. Now it's very personal. That means every single one of us has to be quite honest and introspective and say, so what do I need this year in order to stimulate myself to have a meaningful experience over Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And perhaps your answer won't work for me and my answer won't work for you because we're getting into quite a personal space now, which isn't a bad thing. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you'd like to share them, use one of those channels, the SMS, Telegram, Tweets, or Facebook. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. You do know that is my favorite radio ad that ever comes up on the show. Closed on Shabbos, but open on Sunday. Isn't that fantastic? Shkayach, Mike Levy. Well done. I think that's an example to all of us. So we're talking today about a meaningful Yom Tov. And I think where we have to be looking is in the mirror, actually. What's going to come from here, from within myself? Where will I develop resources that will help me to drive myself forward in the spiritual quest of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, instead of just expecting, hoping, and looking to external influences, get me going, start me off. And if a person is going to have to, unfortunately, stay home, that's altogether relevant, because nobody can, it, it doesn't make sense, right? If you have to stay home, nobody can exactly come to your house and start performing the, the service for you. That, that really means that you really are on your own. And being on our own is not a bad thing from a Jewish perspective. I did want to just share some interesting insights there. Rene says, what you need to do is pray, 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 and pray. <laughs> so that's a good one, just in case uh, we didn't get the uh, the sentiment over there, right? That we should certainly pray. Here's another one on Twitter, Leah, who says, uh, realize that you might not have everything that you want, but that you have everything that you need. I think that's that's good. It's hard. People find that one a little bit difficult. Um, Jared says, Devekus, which means some kind of spiritual connection that you should develop at a time such as this. And I think that's very abstract for many people. And Adam says, get some quality single malt whiskey and have a proper party with a good Musaf service. <laughs> I think that sounds more like it would be an enjoyable rather than a meaningful uh, Yom Tov experience. I think the thing is this, that we, we often underestimate just how much Hashem treasures and values our efforts. You know, when everything works according to plan, and it's a smooth sailing, and, and all the pieces of the puzzle are in place, and everybody plays their part, and we all collaborate as one major team, the so-called 
team of prayers, <laughs> then it's beautiful. But it sometimes makes us almost appear irrelevant. You know, I'm just a cog in the wheel. I'm somebody who comes and sits in my seat at shul, pays my dues, and watches the show. And Hashem never wants us to feel irrelevant. Not any one of us should ever feel irrelevant. On the contrary, there's an expression that the Talmud uses, that Chai of Adam Loimar, every single person is required to say, Bishvili Nivra Ha'olam, the world was created for me. And that doesn't mean, God forbid, that the world was created for me to come along and live it up and, 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 you know, use, capitalize on all of the resources of the world. That's not what it means. It means the world was created for me to add value. And, and yes, I could say, well, that person's not doing what they should and that person could improve and the leadership isn't as strong as it needs to be and a million and one other things. But the bottom line is, Bishvilini Vrahoilam. The world was created for me to be proactive and for me to come up with something of meaning that I can contribute. So when you have a situation as we have this year, where I can't rely on the community to the same extent as I usually would, so then I'm forced to self-motivate, to self-propel. And that's great because that makes me think harder, explore deeper, invest more, and what that's potentially, I say potentially because there's no guarantee that we're actually going to use it. But let's assume that I do use it, then something absolutely magnificent happens in my world. To me, I grow, I shift, I challenge myself, I discover resources that I never knew that I had. It's an incredibly powerful opportunity. So when we don't have all of the external support it's a vote of confidence in a sense that Hashem's telling us, you know, you, you could, you could really do this. You could really do this on your own. Um, does it mean it will be the same? No, it's not going to be the same. Does it mean it will be less? No, it doesn't have to be less. It could really very much be a defining moment and it should be a watershed spiritual experience for us. That look at this. I was able to push through. I was pretty certain by the time Rosh Hashanah came around that I was going to read a few paragraphs out of the book because I'm not going to shul anyway. So I was just going to read a few paragraphs and then go back and, and, and chill for the rest of the day and do things that, that I enjoy or whatever. Can you imagine a person shifts that and says, I have the gift of solitude in my own home. So all of the prayers that usually I don't pay that much attention to because I'm in shul and, and checking what page number we're supposed to be on and listening out for my favorite tune. Now I have the solitude of my own house and I've got all the time in the world and I can start whenever I choose and I can take as long as I wish over the service. What a wonderful opportunity to actually stop and say, what are these prayers all about? Some of them we say on a regular basis and we don't necessarily pay as much attention as we should. And others we only say on Rosh Hashanah and we don't pay them any attention because we're busy trying to keep up with the crowd. So imagine if this Rosh Hashanah had decided at each service, so there's two evenings and there's two days, and the two days each have two services. And the two evenings each have two services, right? There's Mincha and there's Mayrev. And there is Shachris and there's Musa. So imagine a person says, I'm going to extract out of each of those services one paragraph. And that one paragraph is going to be my anchor. Hopefully, if I do this properly, I'll prepare in advance and I'll read up a little bit about it. But even, even if I don't and I just read the English, I'm not just going to read it. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to pause. And I'm going to allow myself to think deeply about what, actually is the symbolism and the meaning behind this particular line or that particular imagery or, or this particular paragraph so that it, it starts to talk to me. 
And if I can't get to shul to hear the shofar, then I'm going to make sure that I get hold of somebody who can come past my house, stand outside, socially distant, and blow the shofar for me. And something that's going to be more meaningful because it's not something I take for granted. It's something I have to make some effort about. And here's an interesting thing, which we certainly, I, I really think this year we certainly should focus on. If I can't have the normal prayer service because I'm not in shul, because that's the fact. You know, if you're at home, there are certain parts of the service you don't say. Uh, not that many, but there are parts that you don't say. But let me focus then on making the Yom Tov meal, which usually is so much about the food and about the socializing, and this year the, the socializing is going to be completely reduced. Let me turn that into a spiritual experience. So, for example, on the first night of Rosh Hashanah, when we have all these symbolic foods on our table, the apple dipped in honey and the pomegranate and carrots and squash and the head of a fish or whatever the particular things that your particular custom might include, so rather than just go, go through the motions and say, okay, we do this because it represents that and we do that because to actually like kind of explore it a little bit and make it conversational together with the family. Or I could use it as an opportunity to explore together with the family what is the symbolism of Rosh Hashanah? Why is this day so important? Why is it so vastly different to a typical New Year, which is, hey, wow, we got through another year. Fantastic. Let's celebrate. Countdown to midnight. Uh, and we don't take that approach at all. It's so pensive. And it's so reflective. So what are we reflecting on? Why is Rosh Hashanah the anniversary of the creation of people rather than the anniversary of the creation of the world? Which, by the way, speaks exactly to this theme that we've just been talking about. Why people? Because because Hashem wants us to appreciate that every single one of us is of utmost significance. So Rosh Hashanah is a celebration of the capacity for humans to be relevant. The capacity for humans to make a difference. And this year on Rosh Hashanah, it's not just book knowledge. This year on Rosh Hashanah, it's what we're actually going to be doing in practice. Every single one of us will be significant. Every single one of us is going to make a difference. It's quite an incredible thing to imagine. So if, if we really pay attention and prepare ourselves appropriately, we have the opportunity this year to have the most spectacular, I'm convinced, the most spectacular high holiday experience we've ever had. Uh, there's still a minute or two for anybody who'd like to share a thought. So if you would like to share a thought, please do so. 34519 SMS line. Otherwise, use the social media channels. Seems that that's what everybody knows how to do best. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Ready for something really profound that somebody has sent on uh, Facebook? Listen to this. Reach out to family members who have been isolating alone and let them know that distance has not dimmed the love. Vow to find a way to make relationships stronger in these challenging times. And why I say that that is so profound, I mean, it's, it, it's practical. It's a great message. You know, we've, uh, I think at the beginning, when everybody was socially distancing and lockdown and all that kind of thing, we made a lot of effort to reach out to people, and now it's become a little bit more normal, especially considering that people are back at school and back at work. So it's much easier to overlook people. So to reach out and to show that you, I, I love that expression, that the love hasn't dimmed, is incredibly important. I would add to that, that well, the reason it's so profound is because if you say reach out to family members, we do know that one of the most famous prayers over the course of the high holidays is Avinu Malkeinu, that God is our Father. And if there is a relationship that might have dimmed over the course of the past year, and maybe especially so because of the coronavirus, it might be that relationship. We might feel that we've cooled off a little bit in our connection to Hashem. So there is exactly what we're talking about. Reach out, reach out and show that this relationship is alive and well, that this relationship is dynamic. And I think the way that we do that is 
instead of what's quite tempting and maybe even the path of least resistance, which is to say, okay, listen, it's not an ordinary yomtiv and I can't get to shul, so therefore I have an out, I have an excuse. I don't necessarily have to do all of the things that I normally would do. I don't have to say all of the things. I don't have to be so conscious. And, and as I was saying earlier, you know, people say, next year when things go back to normal, that's when I'll have the opportunity. If anything, it should be the opposite. It should be to say that there is some kind of a distance that's been created over here between me and my spiritual side, between me and Hashem. There's, there, you know, there's some kind of a breakdown that's occurred over the course of the last few months, potentially. Again, everybody is different. And, you know, maybe some people are feeling closer to Hashem at this time, and that's great. But if I'm not one of those people and I feel that there's a little bit of distance, so here's the opportunity to push and say, I'm not going to allow this to become the interference, the obstruction between us. So I can't come to your house to visit you. Then I'm going to pick up a phone and I'm going to call you. That's what we do to people, right? Can't come to the house to visit you, so I'm going to make sure, even if it's a, a video call, so it feels a little bit more alive than if I was just making a phone call. But I'm going to reach out. I'm going to find that way to connect. It's exactly the same with us and God. Can't come to your house, Hashem. Can't come to the shul. Can't. Not because I don't want to, if we're honest with ourselves, right? Unfortunately, I think it, it's quite tempting at a, at a time like this to say, Sure, doesn't have to be important right now. But let's say, I really want to be there. Hashem, I want to be in your house. Ashrei Yoshvei Vesecha, as we say. Happy are those who sit in your house. I want to be in your house. Just the circumstances that don't allow me to be there. I have to socially distance at this point in time. So I'm going to call you. And I'm going to ensure that that call that I make to you is going to be meaningful. That it's not just going to be, you know, to check in and say, that way you can't have any complaints against me. You know, I'll open the book and read a few words and that way you can't, you can't say anything. Like, I, I doubt you know, I did use the machso. I'm actually going to call. I'm actually going to connect. I'm actually going to invest some kind of effort. I have absolutely no doubt that any of us who invests effort in this Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur to make it meaningful and to make it special in spite of all of the challenges, I have absolutely no doubt that we will have the best Yom Tov that we have had in years. And please God, as a result of that, we will have the most incredible brochas in the coming year that we haven't expected. So I really hope that that will be our experience, and I really hope that we'll have those revealed brochas. Please, God, we should be able to share only good things without any distance, not between us and each other, and not between us and God. And we should be able to be in the best place, spiritually, geographically, in terms of circumstance, just everything good for all of us. I wish you a good Shabbos. Stay safe and stay sane.